Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning. morning. (laughs) Welcome to Living Water Community Church. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Um, We are in a series, if you haven't figured out yet, that we are calling, help me out somebody, Level Up. Level Up. up. And again, it means to enable a player or character to go up to a higher level, gaining more skills and strength. And we believe that's what God wants for every single one of us, especially as we, I think it's a good thing to focus on, particularly at the beginning of the year, when everybody is focusing on um, you know, resolutions for the, for the coming year and they're focusing on stuff that will probably last for just a couple <laughs> days, maybe a few weeks, and then they're back to their normal routine. Well, there are several areas that we have identified that God wants us to level up in, and we've touched on a few of them so far. We, we've touched on the area of magnification, which is another word for worship. And we determined that, that we will plan for God's pleasure, that everything centers on worship of the Father. The, Jesus said God is looking for true worshipers, those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. That means not just here on Sunday mornings or on a Wednesday prayer meeting. Who was here for the prayer meeting for the hour of power? Come on, that was good. That was some good stuff, right? Turn to someone and say, you missed it. But we'll have some more and plan to be here for those. But that was a powerful night. But it's not just for those days. It's for, it's for Monday, you know, through Sunday. It's, it's, it's 24-7. It's, it's, it's our lifestyle that God is looking for. If, if, we're, if we were using a baseball a metaphor, uh, magnification would be the stadium in which we play in. Does that make sense? You know, they've got Wrigley and they've got different stadiums. The stadium that the, that the Christian or the believer is supposed to be operating in is that of worship or magnification of the Father on a daily basis. Now, sticking with that analogy, if we were going to go to first base, we talked about how do you get to first base? Well, if we're going to level up, we've got to level up in the area of membership or fellowship or accepting one another in Christian fellowship. We, we learned that we were formed for God's family. That you're not just an island unto yourself. And if you're going to make it to first base, you're going to do a couple, three things. You're going to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. You're going to follow up with believers' baptism. And there are many people, there's a few people who have signed up for that. If, you, if you've not yet done that, we're going to be doing it in a couple, two weeks or so. Plan on doing that. We're going to have a class at the end of the service right in the back. So if, you, if you're interested in following up with Believer's Baptism, please join us. And you can sign up. There's a, we've given you a card. Just sign up, okay, and turn that card in. And then you're going to do the third thing, which is you're going to consider joining a fellowship. Again, you are not just formed to be by yourself. You are formed for a family, to be a part of a family. And I don't think you become part. I don't think you figure out God's plan for your life apart from joining a fellowship somewhere. Where, the Bible, where we talk about the Bible t- saying iron sharpens iron because we need each other. We're better together, amen? And so we have a backstage pass coming up on January 30th. Again, fill that out and 
Come see the vision of the church, what God has told us, what we believe God has told us and put us here for, and what we eventually believe was going to take place in our midst. But it's not going to happen without you and, and, and the people that God is calling to be here. That's first base. Say first base. How many people like baseball or softball? Come on. I mean, I'm one of those. So, so you know you're not going to win the game just by getting the first base, right? You've got to round the bases. And the, second, and, the, and the next base is second base. And we call that base maturity or discipleship. The, G- Jesus said to teach them to, to go and make disciples. And he said teaching them to obey. In other words, we were created to become like Christ. That's what the Word of God says, that we are predestined to become like him. If you're trying to figure out what the grand scheme of what God is doing, he's making you to become like his son. You're going to look and act like Jesus. Now, how does that happen? Well, instead of being just a casual follower like so many, we mentioned this statistic last week that some 68% of America identifies as, as Christian. Ten years before that, it was 75 or up to 78%. Who believes that 78% of this country is actually a Christian? No, they're casual. They're casual followers of Christ as opposed to committed followers of Christ. And there is a difference. And so God has called us to commitment in several areas. Commitment to attendance. Because so many people have gotten out of the habit of coming to church. Uh, it's, there's so many things that you cannot do by yourself. The love one another, the, the, the encourage one another, the, the forgive one another. That doesn't happen while you're sitting home <laughs> watching TV or watching us on TV, unless you have some good reason. Either if there's someone sick in your house or if there's something you know, going on in, in terms of you, you personally or someone in your house, that, that's one thing. But my pet peeve is this. If... If you are going to the grocery store, if you're going to the mall, if you're getting your hair done, if you're going to the movies, if you're going, you know, to your job every day, then you can come up, you can come to church for an hour, hour and a half on Sundays. Amen. Amen. And so, so be a part of that. Don't, don't, don't get into the bad habit of not showing up to church and being, and being, and being part of that. You're going to commit to, to attendance. You're going to commit to reading God's word and spending time in prayer. And that's how you grow. That's how you mature into into the things of God. That's how you become more like Christ. Well, today we're going to third base. Say third base. And and we're going to level up in this area of ministry. Ministry. Or to to equip the saints uh, to do the work of the ministry. And and we're going to learn that you were shaped for serving God. You were shaped for serving God. If we're going to level up in this area, we're going to understand that God didn't just call us to sit, but he called us to serve. You saw that in the video, amen? And we get this out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, why? To equip his people Who are his people? Turn to someone to your left, to your right, say it's you. Say it's me too. God gave pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets to equip his people to do what? To do works of service. To do works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ might be built up. Again, who are his people? It's you and me. 
it's, 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 it's those who are coming to church. We are the ones that God is calling to do the works of service. You are the ones who God is calling. So many people think it's the pastor's job. Well, I'm doing my job. My job is to equip God's people to do the works of service. Amen? And the Bible says God has gifted the church with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Did you realize that I'm a gift? <laughs> so if I'm aggravating you, don't, don't, don't yell at me. Yell at the one who gave you the gift. <laughs> okay? Because he's trying to make you to become more like him. And if that means I got to nudge you just a little bit, come on, somebody, to, to kind of get you out of that little comfort zone of yours so that you can actually walk in the things that God has for you. Now, Job said in 10.8, he says, your hands shaped me and made me. Your hands, God's hands, shaped me and made me. Psalms 139.13 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life, watch this, was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now think about that just one moment. It wasn't just the day you breathed your first that was recorded and the day you breathed your last that was recorded. <laughs> he said, before you even breathed your first breath, every day of your life was recorded by the Father. Come on, somebody. So according to those passages, God shaped you for a purpose, all right? That means we weren't some accident of nature. God's got a plan in mind when he made you. Number two is you are unique and wonderfully complex there's never been, a, a, nor will there ever be, another you that comes on this planet out of billions of people on the planet today. There's not another one just like you. And, watch this, the body of Christ depends on you doing your part. Did you know that? We all have a part to play. It said to equip the people for, God's, for, for works of service so that the body of Christ might be Built up. Now think about that. God formed every creature on this planet with a special area of expertise. I've heard someone say that, 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 that some animals run, some animals hop, some animals swim, some animals fly. And, and each has a particular role to play based on the way God shaped them or formed them. And in the same way, it's true of us. Each of us was uniquely designed or shaped to do certain things. Now think about that. Before an architect designs any new building, what, what do they ask first? What will the building be used for or, or, or how will it be used? Uh, that's why we're sitting in an auditorium and not like a, a bus terminal somewhere, right? Because this is the reason it was going to be used. This building it was built based on how it was going to be used. That's why the cafe looks the way it looks, with a kitchen on one side and an area to dine in on the other. First, you ask what the area is going to be used for. The intended function always determines the form of the building. Now, before God created you and I, he decided what role he wanted us to play on this earth, and he planned exactly how he wanted you to serve him, and then he shaped each and every one of us for that particular task. Listen, you are the way you are because you were made for a specific ministry. 
You are the way you are because you were made for a specific ministry. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Help me, somebody. To do what? To do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so when it uses the word workmanship, it means that you are God's handcrafted work of art. You're not an assembly line product. You're not mass produced without thought. You're a custom design, one of a kind, original masterpiece. In fact, that's what one of the translations says. You are his masterpiece. You are a Rembrandt. You are a Picasso. You are an individual masterpiece made by God. Folks, you are not, God does not make junk. Amen? Amen. He does not make junk. If we were using a metaphor of, of, of eating out, you are not McDonald's or Wendy's. You are fine dining. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And so with that in mind, how do we determine what, God, what it is that God wants to, our, our life, how our life what God wants to use our life for or how our life is shaped, what is our life shaped to do? Is it just to come to church and find a comfortable spot and, 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 and do that, spend a few hours and leave? I'm telling you, it's not. God, God's plan for us is more than that. Psalms 139.16, again, every day of your life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now think about that just for a moment. This means nothing that's happened in your life is insignificant. Nothing. God uses all of it to mold us for the ministry that he wants us to do to others and to shape us for service to him. Now I think by identifying and understanding these factors, we can discover what God's will is for our lives. And so I've identified or we've identified a couple uh, Five things or five areas that we want to look at if we're going to figure out God's purpose for us, if we're going to level up in this area. The first thing you're going to look at is you're going to ask yourself, what are your spiritual gifts? What are your spiritual gifts? And where do they come from? Well, 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us, whoever does not have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, cannot receive the gifts that come from God's Spirit. Such people really do not understand them. They are nonsense to them because their value can be judged only on a spiritual basis. So where do spiritual gifts come from? They come from God. God who distributes them as he sees fit. Now, you're going to see that not just in this text, in 1 Corinthians 2.14. You're going to see it in 1 Corinthians 12. Write that down somewhere when you get a chance. Ephesians 4 talks about spiritual gifts. You can look that up when you get a chance. But we learn that you can't earn your spiritual gifts. You don't necessarily deserve them. That's why they're called gifts. They're an expression of God's grace to you. In fact, they're called grace gifts. Ephesians 4, 7 says, each one of us has received, each one of us, each one of us has received a special gift in proportion to what Christ has given. In other words, no one in here or under the sound of my voice can say, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that God has not gifted you in some area. He has. Nor do you get to choose which gift you'd like to have. God determines it. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. 
So no single gift is given to everyone, and no individual receives all the gifts. You may have more than one gift, but you don't have all the gifts. If you had all of them, you'd have no need of anyone else, and that would defeat one of God's purposes, which is to teach us to depend and rely on each other. Remember, we were formed for a family, membership, fellowship, acceptance, corner near. So your gifts were not given just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others, just as other people's gifts were given for your benefit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can do what? Help each other. You've been gifted by God in a particular area, and some more than one, to help the person next to you. Or the people, and again, that's why it's important for us to get back <laughs> in church. Come on, somebody. Because God planned it this way so that we need each other. When we use our gifts together, we all benefit. If others don't use their gifts, we all get cheated. And if you don't use your gift, if they don't use their gift, we get cheated. This is why God wants us to discover our spiritual gift. What is it that God has gifted you to do with the body of Christ. That's one of the areas you want to look at. The second thing you want to look at, if you're going to determine God's purpose, is what motivates your heart? What motivates your heart? Now, the Bible uses the term heart to represent the center of your desires, your interests, your inclinations, your motivations. And so your heart determines a couple, a couple three things. It determines why you say the things you say, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, so often some people ask me, or oh, Pastor Rick, you mean, it's like you read my mind. I'm like, I don't, I don't have to read your mind. I can read your lips. Because the Bible says out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. And so if, if, if you've got anxiety and fear in your heart, guess what? It'll eventually come out your mouth. If, the, if, it's, if you're full of doubt and, and despair, it will eventually come out your mouth. If you're full of faith, that too will eventually come out your mouth. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. So what, your heart will determine why, the, why you say the things you say. It will also determine why you feel the way you feel. Psalms 37.4 says, Seek your happiness in the Lord, and he will give you the desires or your heart's desire. God will, if you make God a priority in your life, he will put his desires in your heart. What he wants you to do, that's what you're going to start to desire to do. And then thirdly, it determines why you do the things you do. Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? For it affects what? It affects everything you do. Everything you do. Your heart is the key to determining the areas God has called you to serve. Because if your heart isn't in it, what happens? You ain't going to do it, right? If your heart's in it, your motivation to do it leaves you as well. And so in that respect, another word for heart might be, what are your passions? What are, what are those things that are driving you? There are certain subjects 
that, that you're going to feel passionate about and others you can care less about. And I've shared this example before in the past. It's like Pastor Sean, he loves everything technical. He lights up when the subject has to do with hard drives or logarithms or anything with the, with the sound system, anything technical, soundboard, Pastor Sean can tell you the, to the minute detail how, how it works. And, and sometimes you get caught in that, what's going on here? Why didn't this work? And, and, and the, he's, he's learned me now. But in the past, he would go into the technical detail of, of why it's working or how it works. And, and after a while, you know what it sounds like to me when he's talking and he's going into the technical details of the things. I just, I, I, hear, I hear the Charlie Brown teacher, uh, Charlie Brown. I, it's not, no disrespect, but it's not something that my mind is wired to, 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 to you know what I'm talking about. My eyes start to glaze over. My mind starts to wonder why it's not my heart. But it's his heart. Now, that doesn't make me right and him wrong or him right and me wrong. It makes us uniquely different. And our hearts reflect our different passions. Does that make sense? So if you want to determine where your area of service might be, take a look at what your heart is saying or what your passions are. Proverbs 27, 19 says, As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Take a look at what your passions are. Number three, ask yourself, what, what are your abilities? <laughs> By abilities, I mean the natural talents that you were born with. Some people have a natural talent to sing. Some people have natural talent of words. They, 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 they pretty much come out of the womb talking. Others are naturally good with numbers. They think mathematically, and they can't understand why you don't understand calculus. That's no one in my house. Come on, somebody. Some have natural people skills. Some are naturally skilled with their hands. All of these abilities come from God, and he wants you to use them to build up his church. Now, we see a picture of this in Exodus as God speaks to Moses about building up his tabernacle, building his tabernacle. In Exodus 31, this is what it says in 1 through 11. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I have appointed Oheliab, son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I've given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I've commanded you, the tent of the meeting, the ark of the testimony, with the atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishments of the tent the table and its articles, the pure gold, the lampstand, and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of the burnt offering, and all its utensils, the basin and its stands, with its stands, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron and the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and the fragrant entrance for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. And so God gifted all these people with these different skills in different areas. Why? Because he wanted them to use those skills in those areas to build up his tabernacle. 
And just like God gifted the people in Moses' day with certain abilities to build his, his church, he's done the same today to build the church today. 1 Corinthians 12, 5. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So you need to ask yourself, what are your abilities? And whatever it is, God's got a place for you. And again, that works both ways because we've worked, everybody's uh, uh, watched place, uh, TV like uh, America's Got Talent, and then somebody's told the, the, somebody told some of these people that they can sing when obviously they can't. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you wonder to yourself, why didn't somebody tell them before they got in front of millions of people and embarrass themselves? Your abilities, again, will determine what the area that God has called you to be in. Number four, what's your personality? Personality is the totality of somebody's attitude, interests, behavioral patterns, emotional responses, social roles, and other individual traits that endure over long periods of time. All that comes together to form your unique personality. And I said unique because, again, there are not two people exactly alike. I have four children and some, what are we at now, nine grandchildren. And though my children have the same mother and father, how many know they have completely different personalities, <laughs> completely different temperaments. Just in my family, I have some who are extremely outgoing. You've met them. Amanda and the worship team, Ricky on the drums, down to those who are reserved and shy. If you can't figure out who the reserved and shy ones are, I'm the reserved and shy one. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Listen to me. There's no right personality or wrong when it comes to ministry. We need all kinds of personalities to kind of balance the church out and to give it flavor. I like vanilla, but every now and then I like chocolate mint. Throw in a little black cherry, and then if you really want to make my day, I like rum raisin. Come on, somebody. I love that. And so I like variety, and God likes variety as well, and as variety. And as it relates to ministry, it's good to take a look at your personality style and then determine how you look at things. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. For instance, two people may have the same gift of, let's say, evangelism, and one person might be an introvert, like me, and another person might be an extrovert, and that gift is going to be expressed quite differently based on their personality. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. Make sense? Lastly, ask yourself, what are your experiences, your experiences. Now listen to me. God never wastes an experience. He never wastes an experience. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things, in all things, in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to what? His purpose. And so that's the good experiences that we have in our lives, and we love those. But he also works through the bad experiences. That's, that's, that's what Joseph meant when he, was when he confronted his brothers who told them and told them. You remember Joseph who, 
who got the dream from God and then told his brothers and, and they didn't like it and the family didn't like it and the brothers decided, you know what, we're jealous of him, we're going to get rid of him, uh, uh, threw him in a pit. Some of them wanted to kill him. They, some of them decided to sell him into slavery. He went into slavery. From the slavery, he went into Potiphar's house. And from Potiphar's house, he was wrongly uh, accused of doing something he didn't do, ended up in prison for years, all the while doing the right thing. And then it wasn't until years later he finally gets promoted from the outhouse to the White House, and now he's second in command of all Egypt while, the, while Egypt is, uh, and all the nations are going through a drought, and, and they can't find food anywhere. And then now he's second in command, and who comes along? His brothers, the same ones who, who sold him into slavery, and some of them wanted him dead. And when they realized that this was their brother that they were talking to, they were freaking out because they're like, what we did to him, he's going to do the same to us. But that wasn't his response. Remember what his response was? His response was, don't worry. What you meant for evil, God meant for my good. Come on, somebody. In other words, what you did was bad. And the experiences that I had as a result of these things happening were bad. But God took all those things and he turned it into something good for me and for you. God didn't cause it, but he will use it in service for him. And so you need to consider those things. When looking at your life experience, I want you to consider five areas, okay? Write them down somewhere. Your educational area. What were your favorite subjects in school? Number two, vocational. What jobs have you enjoyed and achieved results in while you, while you were doing it? God will use that. Number three, spiritual. What has been the most meaningful times with God in your life? Four, ministry. How have you served God in the past? But let's not leave off the last one. Number five, painful. What are the problems, the hurts, and the trials that you've gone through that you've learned from? Whether you agree with it or not, God sovereignly determines your shape for his purpose. And he will use all these things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to minister to the people around you. Romans 9, 20 and 21 says, But who are you, my friend, to answer God back? A clay pot does not ask the man who made it, why did you make me like this? After all, the man who makes the pots has the right to use the clay as he wishes and to make two pots from the same lump of clay, one for special occasions and the other for ordinary use. This reminded me of, a, of that, uh, he's an evangelist now, but when he first started out, it's Nick, I can't, I can't pronounce his last name. It's with a V. Vidjik, remember him? Anybody know who that is? I listened to his testimony. 
And he says that when he was born, he was born with no arms and no legs. And he was, as he was growing up as a, as a young man and as a teenager, he went into a depression. He was, he was angry, times of suicidal. Angry at God, why did you make me this way? Why did you, who's going to love me like this? How am I going to function in life with no arms and no legs? You made me a joke. And it wasn't until he gave his life to Christ and his thinking, his thinking, thinking started turning around and God started to form in him, I've made you with a plan and a purpose in mind. Now, after surrendering his life to God, he preaches and teaches all over the world, okay? That if God can use him, he can use you. That you should see his wife. She's gorgeous. He has children. God has used his life in such a way that he has impacted the world with no arms and no legs. He has no arms and no legs and he's serving the Lord. What's your excuse? In other words, don't resent your shape or your uniqueness. And instead of trying to reshape yourself to be like someone else, celebrate the shape God made you. Amen? Amen. You'll be the most effective and fulfilled in ministry when you use your spiritual gifts and your abilities in the area of your heart's desires and in a way that best expresses your personality and your experiences, both good and bad. What God made you to be determines what God intends for you to do. You start there. Anyone interested in leveling up in this area? Come on, somebody. We need to level up in this area. You were shaped to serve God, and it all starts with surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. It starts with understanding that God made you with a purpose, that your days were written in a book from start to finish, and that purpose shapes who you are and what you are called to do in this life. And I promise you, it's more than just sitting for a couple hours. God has called us not just to sit, but to serve. In fact, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be servant to all. Will be servant to all. Starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. So if you've not yet given your life to Christ, and that was the turning point, for Nick. That was the turning point for so many of us. Surrendering a life to Jesus and allowing his spirit to come into us and to pour his desires into our hearts and start to understand that there's a greater reason why we are here. We are here to impact our world for Christ. If you've not yet done that, it would be my privilege and my honor and leave you in a prayer. And after this prayer, understand this. There's some ministry opportunities as well that we have handed out to each and every one of, one of you. Things that are happening here at this church, if you, are, if you have something else that God has put on your heart to, to, to bless the body of Christ, write it in there and we'll 
we'll consider it and, and we might just say, do that one, all right? But look at these, find an area of service and level up in this area in the most needed way. Let's bow our heads. And before we leave today, we're going to take communion so we're not running off. Let's say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my need for a Savior. And this area that you called, that you said that we were shaped to serve you. Forgive me where I've fallen short in so many areas. Come into my life, come into my heart. Help me to see my purpose, my greater purpose for being here on this planet. And give me the grace and the strength to walk it out. Thank you for sending your son to die three days later to rise from the dead with the promise that if he lives, we shall live as well. We put our trust completely in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.